Valve is probably <laughs> a bit more hyped up than I wanted it to be. Um, but yeah, anyway, on to my introduction. Stay tuned, guys. Hello, hi, good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, good evening, good night, um, wherever you guys are listening uh, to this podcast from. So, um, my name is Erwan. My full name is Shaherwan Idris. So I'm starting this podcast um, because I've always wanted to start to start one. Yeah, so it's always been a dream. Well, initially my dream is to be a YouTuber, but then I don't think I have the face to be a YouTuber. So let's just start with a podcast. Plus, I've always wanted to improve my speaking skills. Um, um, just for your information, English is not my first language. It's not my mother tongue. So, so hopefully by doing this, I'll be able to do that. By that, I mean improve my English. Um, this is probably be private for now, but I don't know. We'll see how things goes. Um, it probably just be myself and probably a couple of my friends who would just join along and tag along for this podcast. But yeah, like I said, uh, we'll just see how it goes. So maybe before I get started, um, just a little bit of introduction um, on my side. Um, I think I've said this earlier. My name is Erwan. I am currently 31 years old. I was born in the year 1990. Yes, um, some may say that it's a bit old to start a YouTube or to start a podcast, actually. Um, but, you know, who's to say? Um, it's too late, right? Better start now than never. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in Brunei Darussalam for pretty much most of my life. Um, from young until I was probably 16 for at least half of my life actually so at the age of 16 or 17 um, I got a scholarship um, from the government of Brunei Darussalam where I was fortunate enough to be sent abroad to the United Kingdom to the UK to pursue my A-levels and eventually my undergrad studies so I did my A-levels in Aundel School um, in a small city in, in the UK, in Northamptonshire. It's the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows where Aundel is, but um, one thing to note, maybe an interesting fact probably, um, Rowan Atkinson has a house there. Um, his kids go there. So Lily and Ben, if you're listening to this, uh, shout out to y'alls. Um, yeah, Arnold is a really nice school. It's a very expensive school. I remembered when I registered, um, which I later found out that it was actually one of the most expensive schools in the UK, one of the most expensive boarding schools in the UK. So I was very glad that I was um, sent to the school because we have no pick um, as a scholarship student on where to go. So uh, the government actually decides that for us. Um, so after two years of A-levels, I did math, further maths, chemistry, physics, the typical. And then I've always wanted to pursue something different. So then I started design and technology. So DT, we call it DT there. So design and technology is something that I've never done before. It was not offered in my previous school, um, in my high school in Brunei. So it was quite interesting. But the only problem was that um, 
I do not have any prior knowledge on design and technology. So that is actually one of the, um, how do you say this, uh, prerequis uh, prerequisite to take um, designing technology um, as, your, as one of your A-level um, subject. Um, so basically, I managed to negotiate with the teachers saying that, you know, I'll take whatever exams that I needed to do. So the first six months then I, I did uh, my own self-study just to catch up with everyone else. I ended up just dropping it uh, the first year, but I did manage to get an A for that. Um, so that was fun. Um, I built something, I think I built uh, a lamp, I built a jewelry box. And I still have my portfolio of designing a product, which was um, an ergonomic uh, tr supermarket trolley, actually. Um, yeah, so where I design just sketch, uh, sketches after sketches. I still have it. Still proud of um, the outcome. Um, but yeah, and then after that, um, after two years of A-levels in the UK, then I applied to five universities. Um, I remember the predicted grades for me was, I think, um, five A's. I can't remember if it's five A stars, so probably like four A stars and one A. And most of the, um, the students who um, got predicted A stars, um, at least five A stars, were actually applying to Oxbridge. Um, so Oxbridge is a, a combination of Oxford and Cambridge. Um, definitely one of the, the top school for the UK. But I ended up not applying to any of those, although um, I know it would be very, how do you say this? Um, it's, it's one of the most prestigious school in the UK. I just did not see myself um, being in Oxbridge. If you if you know what I mean, um, but yeah, um, I ended up applying to two schools in the in London, which is Imperial College London and UCL, and then applied to Manchester, um, and then Manchester was my my third option I think, and then I applied to Sheffield. I can't remember what was my fifth option. It's probably Northampton. Yeah, Northampton. So after the results were out, I got I got accepted to all five. So obviously I went with my top choice, which was Imperial College London. I love London, so that's why my first two choices were Imperial College London, then UCL to pursue chemical engineering. So I got into Imperial College where I studied there for four years. So the thing with um, Imperial College, it's a competitive school. Uh, I think it was top three as well. Um, it's in London. Um, it's very competitive to get in. Um, it's quite difficult. It's quite challenging. Um, but then how the the undergrad uh, program actually was um, structured is um, in it's structured in such a way that you graduated as a master student. So it's a four-year program, MEng, Integrated Masters. So you don't graduate with a degree. So you do. I don't have a degree. So you graduated with an MEng, Masters of Engineering. Um, I didn't do any thesis. No, no thesis during my MEng, but I did um, a short-term research with a partner, um, where we researched on um, 
Alzheimer's disease, I think it was the mRNA that causes that. It was quite an interesting. It was actually and ended up being a really good paper. Um, I'm pretty proud of that. So I did that for four years. A lot of things happened in that four years. Probably that's another podcast about my life in London that I could probably share with everyone um, on how I managed to survive um, London and how difficult it is actually um, to survive, especially financially, because um, let's just put things into perspective. Um, we, alhamdulillah, we managed to get um, monthly allowance from the government. Um, I think it was about 800 to 900 pounds, I can't remember, 900 pounds probably, um, but uh, most of that, if not more, um, more than 50% of that actually goes to rent. So I ended up paying about 600 pounds for my accommodation. So I've got the rest um, to survive with. So ideally, um, you really need to budget, not really budget, I guess, you need to really survive on um, the remaining 300 pounds for the rest of the month. So this would include your food, um, your transportation. Well, most of it, um, most of us didn't really actually pay for transportation because we would just walk. Um, it's a really nice walk down uh, across Hyde Park like about 20-30 minutes walk so it's always nice to to cross Hyde Park to get into our campus in South Kensington um, yeah so I graduated um, in October I think October 2014 but I actually started um, applying for jobs uh, the moment I got my results in June so I actually secured um, a job even before graduation where I was um, um, hired by this international oil and gas company called Baker Hughes um, as a field engineer under the drilling team, drilling operation. So yeah, I was a, a drilling engineer, well specifically MWD engineer, measurement while drilling, which actually stands for measurement while drilling, though for those of you who are actually an MWD engineer, um, those MWD engineers would know that MW actually stands for movie while drilling because we actually just pretty much watch movies during the whole drilling operations. <laughs> yeah, so that's another story, but probably I'll talk about it in my podcast. Um, yeah, so after that, um, I did that for a couple of years. Um, I didn't really um, see myself continuing this job as a field engineer. Um, though I have to say it was very fun. I got to travel a lot. Um, I, I did an amazing, I spent an amazing three months in Dubai for training, which was really fun. That was probably like the best part. It was one of the highlights of my life, actually highlight of my job. In fact, highlight of my life, in fact. Um, it was really fun, I think. And then um, most of the times I was either in um, a desert somewhere in Saudi or in Oman or Saudi or Oman, pretty much back and forth, um, staying there for a month or two, um, just, you know, going from one rig to another, um, dealing with the drilling operations. So even after speaking to some of the the very senior MWD engineers, um, they are saying that it's very hard to get out of this specialized field 
So I then, you know, think to myself, do I, do I see myself doing this, this very same thing for the next 10 to 15 years? And I just don't see myself doing that for the next 10 to 15 years. So I, I made a bold uh, decision to quit my job um, in 2016 um, to pursue something else. Um, so then I, I, I then managed to get a job in one of this, um, I guess I can't really say it out loud, it's one of the companies under Ministry of Finance in Brunei Darussalam, um, where I started as an intern. So imagine a high paying job as a field engineer, getting paid four to five K, and then suddenly getting, an, uh, getting um, I think about $700, I think it was $700 or can't remember, it's probably $700 per month um, of allowance as an intern in uh, this company. But I really do appreciate the experiences I've gained um, throughout um, my years in this company because that surely was a great exposure towards, um, you know, managing businesses in real life. So you... Um, this job actually introduced me um, to the the business, the commercial side of the world, um, the commercial side of the business, understanding um, the profitability on how to to run a successful organization, the, all the corporate governance um, that needs to be in place, and you know what changes, um, what the dynamics of a company and everything. So. Other than the fact that um, I did not have any prior knowledge or any prior background on finance nor accounting, I was very surprised that I got accepted and even got promoted um, as an investment associate in this company. Um, I guess um, what kind of shows was my drive at that time uh, being in this company. I took... Um, even though uh, my allowance was just like $700 per month, I still have my savings from back then. Um, but I then would, um, after working hours, um, so the, the work starts from 7.30 to 7.45 until 5 p.m., I would go straight into... Um, I would go straight into after hours lessons where I would study uh, accounting basics, accounting basics, um, which I funded myself. It was quite expensive as well. I think it was about one or two K. Um, yeah, um, but it was purely for self-development. Um, and on top of that, I was learning on the jobs as well. And my colleagues, um, my colleagues were amazing bunch of people. Uh, shout out to Shafiq and Ai. <laughs> um, so they, I would just um, ask them the, the stupidest question, um, the most stupid question, the very basic questions. And they would just be like, huh, seriously, you're an investment associate? Yeah, so they were very helpful. They were a very... Um, I think it's one of those um, environment that you would definitely need um, if you are gonna, you know, survive this um, this job with such great, such extreme learning curve. I guess um, um, 
and then yeah I did that for four and a f four years and a bit um, I went from one team to another um, but most of the time I was in this one particular team um, where we manage uh, several portfolios um, um, from various industries so I was involved in the real estate industry I was involved in the FNB food and beverage that was very exciting I love that um, and then there's um, what else is there the medical industry and then a few government corporatization projects which I loved um, so I think being in this job was very self-fulfilling um, to say the least for me I think what we're doing in this company um, would benefit uh, the future um, the future of the country um, we are improving we are driving improvements to the country which is very it's very nice to say that you're a part of that movement that drives that change so it, it was a very fulfilling job in, in, in a way um, but then um, I did apply to another job so this was my third job which is currently my existing job where I worked uh, in oh, I can't really say it out loud um, let's just give you a very general description of this without having need which you'll probably be able to guess as well I work currently working in one of the oldest um, liquefied natural gas plant in the world um, the only one in Brunei um, which contributed to more than 50% of the GDP of Brunei where we export uh, liquefied natural gas to other countries such as Japan, uh, Korea probably not Korea anymore but yeah um, I was I was hired um, I I applied for this and I, I can't remember it was probably late late 2020 or probably late 2021 can't remember but then um, I was already happy with my my job at that time so I wasn't even gonna attend the interview but then um, my other friends were just saying you know what's um, no harm in just attending the interview you might end up liking the job or you might end up liking the company where you'll be working so I just attended it with no pressure or anything so <clears throat> fast forward uh, a month later actually a few weeks later I, I then got called um, saying that I was shortlisted and they're asking for all these documents and everything and yeah I ended up getting the job so this was one of the most difficult decision of my life um, whether I should stay in this company um, or should I you know jump into another new company um, so there are pros and cons I guess um, pros would be I would be closer to my family uh, would move back to living with my parents so that's a plus point because I don't have to think about lunch, I don't have to think about dinner um, and then I'd be able to see my parents every day um, another pro is that they are offering a better remuneration as well so in terms of development I think uh, this company um, looks into individual growth so 
yeah, I think after really thinking about it for a full seven days, I think I ended up deciding to move. So I then served my three months notice in my old company and started um, this current job in September 2021, and which is unfortunately during the peak of COVID. So I started my job online. So I ended up going into meetings where my colleagues without knowing how they look like um, so yeah so that was that was an interesting start to say the very least um, it's June now so I've been in the company for a good almost what nine months um, yeah I think I've learned a lot in a way um, let me just say that I think what landed me the job was Definitely my qualification um, that I graduated from a really good school um, with a, a master's in chemical engineering, which would be, uh, regardless of my post, which would be beneficial because you are currently working in an LNG plant. So even if you're hired as a commercial advisor, it would be beneficial to know, uh, you know how the plant actually works. So that's a plus point for me. Um, and then on top of that, I think my my experiences in my previous companies where I've worked with various stakeholders in terms of project management, um, that kind of helped definitely assisted in um, me getting that position. And yeah, um, and the fact that I was in Baker Hughes, um, I have some sort of an exposure into the oil and gas industry. So probably I think that was what landed me the job. Um, I didn't expect to get the job, to be honest. Um, but yes, I did. So now I'm here. I am currently 31 years old. Um, I've got seven years um, of working experience, take, uh, give and take, um, probably seven, seven, I think, seven years or seven to eight years of working experience in the bag. But um, I, I don't know if this is what I want to do for in the long run, to be honest. Um, so I am currently looking at opportunities in pursuing an MBA or Master's in Business Administration because I think this was highly triggered when I was in my previous job. I think I kind of like, um, you know, running organizations or making decisions or um, having to make, to having to drive changes um, to an organization, making it better. So um, I am currently just looking at all the possible opportunities for me to work, um, not to work, to to work, I guess, to work towards that goal, which is to, to graduate with an MBA. Um, I did in 2017 apply for an MBA, which I got it, which I got an offer from from Cardiff or was it Sheffield? I think it was from Cardiff University, but I didn't get a scholarship for that. So that's a no-go 
um, the only way for me to actually to pursue um, a master's in business administration is probably via another scholarship so one of these one of one of I think it was uh, one of the days in last month or um, in May or probably in April actually my colleague actually introduced me to this one scholarship given by the Japanese uh, government which is uh, called the Mombuka Gakusho uh, scholarship um, or Monbusho scholarship uh, in short um, where the Japanese government is um, giving scholarships to um, international students um, who would have um, um, I guess uh, political or economic ties with the Japanese government in which Brunei has so I applied via the embassy to apply for this um, as an, a master's student or specifically as a research student hoping to get into the master's program after that um, yeah so I applied for that um, I got called for an exam and just waiting for the results and hoping that um, I will get an interview so I'm not even sure on how I'm feeling about this because at one point I am currently in a job you know I guess I'm currently in a well-paid job um, where I guess it would help me financially but I do not have that sense of fulfillment um, on the other hand, if I were to successfully um, get the scholarship by this Japanese government, I guess it's a very competitive scholarship, so it's definitely not a, a given scholarship. So I'm not sure whether I would actually accept it. So I'm, I'm really in two minds about this. Um, it's like, you know, you're currently in a stable job with good, um, the good pay, um, although work could, can be stressful um, sometimes. Um, but yeah, uh, on the other hand, there's always that scholarship opportunity where you would experience new things, I think. That's the the part that I love the most, more than money, to be honest. Because, um, alhamdulillah, if you're granted the scholarship, you'll be given a monthly stipend of, I think, about 1,004 or 1,500 USD, which is more than enough to cover your living expenses in Japan. But the fact that the government is actually paying for you, number one, paying for your tuition fees um, and secondly the government is also paying for you on top of that to learn the Japanese language so maybe another another point um, I guess another fact about me is that I love learning languages um, I've been learning languages since I was young but I never actually followed through so whenever I go travel in in a new country so I always I would always take the effort into learning some of the major phrases or some basic um, 
um, basic conversation phrases that you would always use or you would use in that particular country. Um, I've gotten serious into learning Korean the last year, um, mainly via Duolingo. <laughs> I guess the main reason why I, I wanted to learn that language was so that I could watch all the K-dramas without subtitles. Um, but I think it's it's always um, what do you say this? It's it's always nice to to be able to speak more than one language. Although English is not my um, native language, Bahasa um, Melayu or Malay is my core language. Um, it'll be nice to actually to be able to be fluent in um, in a third language to be trilingual or maybe you know the goals uh, the actual goals are actually to to be polyglot um, so yeah so I've learned a bit of Korean um, um, so and then uh, to be able to learn a Japanese uh, a language to actually be serious about it I think That'd be, that'd be nice. I think that'd be a skill that would be able to benefit me in the future. So even if I stayed in BLNG, say if I were to come back and work in BLNG, as you all know, that would be a good pitch for me to be able to work in, in sales and hopefully one day to be able to talk to all the various stakeholders, may it be the current shareholder or all the potential clients that we have or maybe if things didn't go to plan I could always you know apply to work in the embassy for Munai in Japan or something um, or you know oh I could work if or by that time I'm fluent in Japanese I could apply to um, a Japanese company and be able to work in Japan so yeah, so things are really uncertain right now. So I'm not sure whether what I'm ex experiencing right now is probably like um, a quarter-life crisis or mid-life crisis. Um, it's just that it's probably the fact that I haven't been out since 2019. The last time I traveled was probably December 2000, December 2019. Yeah, December 2019. So I haven't traveled for almost three years now. So I just probably want to be out of this country, not really be out of this country, to just experience the world out there and learn. Um, and what better country as to what what better country to learn from if not Japan, right? Because as you all know, Japan is is so advanced in terms of technology, in terms of um I guess their common sense, to be honest, uh, how they value punctuality, how they value um, the culture, the language. It's just so fascinating to me. Uh, like they're so well in advance when it comes to recycling. It's mandatory for them to separate um, their rubbish into burnables, into PT bottles, into other general general compost general um, rubbish so it's something that I think we should probably think about in Brunei what can you expect from this podcast um, 
I don't know. There is so much more. There are so many things that I could talk about. I could talk about, um, you know, life in the UK or life in Brunei. Life as an engineer. Why I didn't. Um, why my current. How did I get from chemical engineering to a, a commercial advisor? Um, life as a Muslim in the UK. Um, life as a Muslim student in in, in London. Life as a there's so many things that I could probably share with everyone. Um, what's it like growing in Brunei? Do people go out? Uh, what's there to do in Brunei Darussalam? Uh, my scholarship applications. Um, yeah, and then I would probably want to share my just just my group of friends, which I think would be able to inspire most of you guys as well. Um, I've um, in the last 20 years or so, I've managed to secure some really good friends who are just top-notch, I guess I have to say. Um, they're, they're, they're like my support system, who's always there for me. Um, yeah, so that's probably what you can expect from this podcast. Um, stay tuned. Um, and enjoy!